This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. This week, I am talking to two moms who have two daughters and a cat. (laughs) I am talking to Katie and Christina Bailey. I found them on Instagram and on YouTube, and they title themselves in their videos, Baby Bailey Mama Drama, which is just the cutest thing. We talk about their journey through reciprocal IVF and motherhood, and what that looked like through the eyes of two moms, a gay couple. It has not been an easy journey for them, and it continues to be a challenge as they're looking toward bringing in a third child into their home. But this story is especially important as it sheds a light into the uniqueness that every home and every family can have. Love is love, I support that, and I hope their story opens your eyes too. So here they are, Katie and Christina Bailey. Hey ladies, I'm so excited. So today I'm speaking with Katie and Christina Bailey, and I'm really, really excited to chat with you guys. I've been following you a little bit and stalking you a little bit on Instagram, and I've watched all of your videos. But for those who haven't watched any of your videos and don't know anything about you, why don't you in your own words tell our listeners a little bit more about yourselves? Um, We are a two-mom family coming to you from California. We love to travel. We have two daughters from reciprocal IVF, which means um, we used my eggs and my wife, Katie, carried our daughters after they were fertilized by a donor sperm. So we are really loving sharing our journey with everybody and supporting anyone else who might be going down that path or just has any questions about like parenthood and as well as traveling, which is kind of a new hobby for us that we've really enjoyed doing as a family. You guys are about to go off somewhere, aren't you? Yes, we are. We're actually leaving Saturday for another little adventure. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh, that's exciting. Um, And I'm so pumped because I've only had my same sex couple. I had two dads on. So now I have my first pair of two moms. So I'm really excited. Mainly this podcast is focused more toward moms just because that's the main focus, but it was nice to have two dads on and hear their story, which was a whole nother thing. It was crazy, Um, but it's really exciting to hear your story. And how did you two meet? We met online on a dating website. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. I... I met my husband before that whole boom kind of happened. And so I never experienced any dating websites or any of that. It's just, it's such an interesting world to me. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it's like really common now, even when we did it, it wasn't quite, because that was what, like eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't quite the norm then, but now like with the apps they have, it's it probably would have been a lot easier for us to even find each other with the apps they have now because they have apps that are specific just for lesbians or gay guys or pretty much anything. I feel like there's an app for yeah, they have yeah. they have I think there's a Christian one. I heard recently there's one for farmers. It's it's so crazy. Really neat though. Did you sign on to those kind of expecting or wanting to find your wife or did you just want to have a no, good time? I had like no expectations. Just It was hard to find like 
girls to date because I don't, neither of us like look like we're gay. So <laughs> it was like really hard to meet someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, there's that stereotypical, um, I don't know, expectation sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now we call it just a femme. Yeah. yeah you femme. call it, say that again. So we're both femmes. That's kind of a, and within That's the lesbian world, there's a lot of different lingos that you go by. Yeah. And so femmes searching for another femme is yeah. something that people will put in like descriptions of like that's what they're looking for well I think that not only are you a same-sex couple who is bringing children into the world and starting a family and talking about it outwardly which is a beautiful thing in itself but you're breaking that typical mold of what people who maybe are not used to seeing lesbian couples together aren't are, you know aren't used to seeing that and I think it's really really cool and I think it's a a risky thing for you guys to do but so empowering and I don't know I when I saw your your Instagram and then started to listen to all of your videos I just thought I have to talk to these two because you're just I don't know I think you're really really working on something that's it needs to be out there more I mean young kids need to hear about this and it's just, it's so important. Yeah, we agree. So I want to go back in time a little bit and explain to me what life was like before you decided to start a family. Sure. Okay. Um, life before kids was, I guess we were really focused on traveling then. We took a break for a while um, when we started the journey to having kids. And I think it kind of got lost down that rough path that we were on. So we didn't really think about travel at all. But when it was just the two of us, we were saving a lot of money and we were pretty much gone every weekend. I think we were signed on to like every single like deal site that you could think of, like Groupon and Living Social. And we were always finding these deals. Really? That's how you were going? Yeah. So we were, so we were always finding like a deal for the weekend that we could go do um, any type of hotel. We spent a lot of time at the beach together and yeah, things just kind of rather moved quickly. I mean, we were, we only knew each other for less than a year and then we were married and it was a few years later that we started the journey to having kids, but before kids, it was just a lot of traveling and we both picked um, one place that we wanted to go out of the country And that was like our big travel that we said we wanted to accomplish before we had children. So I picked Ireland and Katie picked Italy. Mm -hmm. And so we did those travels and then it was time to travel. How long were you together before you decided to have kids? Um, So Kennedy was born in 16. So about four years, five years. Yeah, about five years, four to five years. Wow. Out of curiosity, what was your favorite place that you've been? Uh, before kids or since we've had them? <laughs> in general. Just in I general? Before kids. Oh, uh, before kids? Mine was um, the island of Capri in Italy. Oh, yes. I've actually been there. Really? It's, Isn't it just stunning? Yeah. And I think my favorite place before kids is probably still Hawaii. <laughs> Christina loves Hawaii. <laughs> it's uh, Hawaii and Disneyland. Like, we've been to Hawaii so I many am. times. I was like, this is I went to Hawaii a couple years ago and I loved it too it's just for for you guys you're a little closer being on the west coast but for us it was so far to travel 
and my husband's Puerto Rican. So to be honest, like I kind of like Puerto Rico better, <laughs> but I think that's also because you can just get there, hop, skip and a jump and you're in Puerto Rico, you know, right. um, yeah. but there is something magical. Like you feel like you're on a different, in a different world in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, yeah. I, there's something about it. I forget about how far it is for people. Cause I guess it doesn't really get much closer than where we are. Yeah. <laughs> like five hours but I guess like nothing yeah I mean we had to go I think we had three flights so we went from New York to Vegas Vegas to I think Honolulu and then Honolulu to Kauai because we went to Kauai wow that's that's a lot lot. (laughs) and then you get there and it's like morning so I think we took a quick nap and then it's like off we go yeah exactly (laughs) time to have the day and you're like oh (laughs) Oh gosh. So take us through the process. Um, you can go into the nitty gritty or not, but just take us into the process of first starting off um, your family with Charlotte. Kennedy. With Kennedy. Yeah, with Kennedy. Kennedy's our oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we can start with Charlotte. We can start with Charlotte. We can start with Charlotte. With Kennedy. Okay. 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 I love it. Um, so when we were thinking about how we wanted to make our family, we thought about what was most important to us at the time. And Christina really had this desire to have genetically related children. Like she just wanted to pass down her beautiful blonde hair, apparently. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> and um, I like I didn't really have as much of a desire to have genetically related kids. Like I was, you know, interested in a variety of different options. Um, but I was wanting to know what it was like to be pregnant so when we heard about reciprocal IVF we were like this is perfect because then Christina gets her genetic child and then I get to experience pregnancy so that's kind of how we decided and did you have before you made this decision and made it public did you have a lot of people coming at you with oh are you gonna have kids oh how are you gonna have kids or or did people just kind of let you be no, actually, no one really asked us much about having kids that I recall. And oh. most people just assumed that we were adopting if we were. Um, yeah, I mean, the only people who would have known are like our family and friends. We didn't really join social media until after our first round of IVF failed. So at that point, we were already on the journey and we didn't really mm-hmm. like whereas like this time we're kind of talking about if you fast forward to where we are now thinking about baby number three and we're announcing that you know we're exploring all these different methods to having a child so that kind of like invites people to kind of put their input in whereas before there wasn't really any time to do that Um, yeah definitely encountered like a lot of negativity just by being gay and you know deciding like how we're having the kid and I feel like everyone has an opinion of how they should make your family even though like you Mm -hmm. don't ever give your opinion to anybody else (laughs) so it's kind of like when you tell somebody oh you're gonna have a child this way and people ask you well why aren't you adopting well do you know how much adoption is like it's double the amount of what 
we were going to pay to do this process. And it's like, I don't ask you when you say you're trying to have a baby, <laughs> are you going to adopt? Like that, that doesn't right. cross my mind. So it's interesting how people are like, I don't think they think it in the long run. Cause I know I probably wouldn't have if I wasn't gay, but it's like, you really have to think about what you're saying. Like, yeah, adoption is great, but it is very expensive. Like it is crazy expensive. And you wouldn't think the world would be that way, but we know all the costs. We've looked up every detail. I feel like it should be. It should be, but it's double the cost if we just use our own bodies to create a child. Yeah, of course. Well, and I think in certain situations, people feel like it opens up a door to just put their opinion in and ask whatever they can. I mean, I, I've heard many moms even just that are going through birth in a normal, quote unquote, normal sense, you know, they get their fair share of opinions thrown at them too. Yeah, you know, that's Why true. are you breastfeeding? Why aren't you breastfeeding? Why, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to get the epidural? Why aren't you? Yep. It's like all this, <laughs> you know, crazy opinion stuff. But so you t- decided to go with the reciprocal IVF. Mm-hmm. And then um, we walked in thinking it was a for sure thing. It really hadn't been done at our clinic before but they totally understood the process and like why we wanted to do it and they even told us like this isn't much different than us doing regular IVF for couples it's just Mm -hmm. we're putting the embryo in someone else instead of back inside the person Mm -hmm. who the eggs came from so we knew the odds were in our favor we were both young um healthy background there was nothing really in our way to where this wouldn't work. And one of the reasons that we also chose reciprocal IVF was because the percentage of us getting pregnant was very high. And whereas IUI was something that I know many other lesbian couples do, the percentage is very low of getting pregnant. And we didn't want to go down that path. We wanted to do like the cost-saving path, have a baby, like not waste a lot of time because it's what we wanted to do right now. Um, But then we just encountered all these problems that we didn't think were going to happen. And it was really emotional. Um, It was like physically draining on our bodies. Like we had injected hormones into ourselves. We had, you know, gone through all these needles and all these like high hopes that we had. And then when we got the call that things weren't going right, we just kept holding on to like this little bit of hope that things were going to go well for us and we were going to experience some type of miracle. And then you got the phone call that it was just over and like your mind just went so many places like oh my gosh like we're not having a baby right now like what do we do like we just poured in all this money we poured in our hearts we poured in our bodies like what do we do now and I think it was just like a morning process that was that the egg didn't take in Katie yeah, it didn't effect. it wouldn't fertilize and they tried everything they could to try to save the few eggs that had survived in the end and it just they couldn't do it. Um, and so after exploring many other options, because we felt, I mean, I personally felt like there was something wrong with me because they were my eggs. Um, the person who was in the lab trying to fertilize the eggs said he couldn't come to a conclusion of what went wrong. He said it could have been the sperm. It could have been the egg quality. He said there really just wasn't a conclusion that he could come to. Um, so it just kind of made me feeling like I wasn't meant to reproduce in this world. Like maybe it's a sign that I shouldn't try to have children. Like we should stop. So I felt really sad about that. Um, Since, you know, my childhood dream was to like reproduce myself. (laughs) Yeah. And like it had just come to an end. Um, We came across embryo adoption, which we thought 
would be like the best idea for us because you know it wouldn't be genetically related to either of us um and then there was also the money factor that played a role in this where we would get three embryos they would try to make sure that you know the people who were donating looked like us so the kids would look like us um and if the embryo didn't take and i think 12 weeks of pregnancy didn't result in that you would get your money back or you could get three more embryos so it seemed oh, like wow. a win-win situation for us like that was the path we were going on we were good we signed all these papers we read about the donor profiles like we knew they didn't show us pictures but we knew like everything there was known about these people, like their hobbies, their genetics. I mean, I remember reading through like eight pages of paperwork on each donor. It was crazy. And how many kids they both had. Um, and then like the transfer day came and we were sitting, I remember sitting in the waiting room feeling really sad. Um, we were surrounded by like all these couples that were much older than us. And I just remember thinking like, how come they can have a baby and we can't? Like, how come we have to adopt somebody else's eggs and we can't use mine. Like I always remember feeling really sad. And I remember we didn't even look at each other. Like it was supposed to be a really happy day, but we didn't feel happy. Mm. Um, and when we got back to the room where we were going to do the transfer, our nurse had walked in who had been with us through the whole process. And I remember I just started crying on her shoulder and then I looked over and Katie was crying and her nurse just kind of told us like, you know, you don't have to do this. Like you could try IVF, you know, try another round and see if it works. You know, like, I really feel like your eggs are fine. Like, I don't think it's your eggs. I think you should try one more time. Well, cause I was going to ask you, they didn't actually, before you decided to get to this point, they, they didn't do any sort of testing or whatever to say mm -hmm. that you definitely couldn't use your eggs. Right. It was just kind of an assumption. Right. It was, yeah, it was just an assumption. And I think it was kind of like, I put myself through so much. So it was kind of like, I just felt bad for myself. And I was just kind of pushing myself further and further down. Like, no, you're not good enough. Like, no, your body just isn't meant to do that, you know? So just give up. That's kind of what I told myself. Mm -hmm. But um, after she walked in and the crying and everything happened, we were like, okay, let's do it. Let's try one more time. Like if it doesn't work this time, like we're going through with embryo adoption. Like we felt terrible that they had to put these embryos, like, you know, refreeze them. Like we felt awful. I wrote this really long email apologizing to the director of embryo adoption, like just pouring my heart out for her. Like, I feel like a terrible person for backing out on you. Like you've done so much for us. And she was incredibly supportive and even encouraged us to come back if that was what we decided on a different day. Um, so it was really nice feeling supported by everybody at the clinic and just knowing that they were going to try everything they could for the second round to make it work. Like they changed our medications. Um, they did like more monitoring. They had like a plan for when the um, eggs were retrieved, like they were going to do half regular fertilization, which is where eggs are just in a dish with the sperm. And then they were going to do half ICSI where they're actually injecting the sperm into the eggs. So they were gonna do that on the batch that they retrieved from me. So it's like, we had this plan in place. So I just told myself like, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And like, if this doesn't work, like it's not meant to be, we're gonna do embryo adoption. Right. And did you have any say over the sperm donor or any of that connection or no? 
Um, we actually went back and we got new sperm because, oh, sorry. <laughs> we went back and got new sperm because we didn't want that to be a factor. We, I mean, they knew that there might be something wrong with it. So just the chance that there might be was a good enough reason for us to go back and get new sperm. Mm-hmm. So we started all fresh. Like we went back to the website, we searched for more donors endlessly. We found somebody who looked somewhat like Katie for the donor and we didn't end up I mean we didn't have any sperm left of the other one anyway because they had opened up both files we had Mm -hmm. to try to get those eggs to fertilize during the first round so we really were at nothing at that point anyway so we had to get new sperm Mm -hmm. so at that point did you go ahead and try to use your eggs for the second time we did so when we started all over again we did uh, another egg retrieval with the same eggs with Christina's eggs and the new donor sperm and everything went according to plan which was great and we knew what to expect um, and so doing it the second time was a lot easier um, but we knew exactly you know what the how the medications were going to make us feel all of that um, so it was, it was smooth sailing through the that the IVF process the second time. And was this the time, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting confused with Charlotte or Kennedy, but was this the time that you had to receive the injections as well? Yes. So we, so after we got a, well, there are injections all through this process, uh, but you continue injections up to 12 weeks of pregnancy. Wow. That's a lot. And that's just to build up your system and keep your system pumping with hormones. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, the hormones that I was receiving were to like make a really cozy uterus. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then the hormones that I received were to like really make my eggs larger and like produce as many eggs as possible that were hopefully good quality. So we are both on two totally different hormones, which had two totally different side effects. Like I would say mine had more side effects. Um, and like to this day, it was funny. We were just talking about how I just got my hormones balanced again, because after doing two rounds of injections, my hormones were all over the place. Like I used to have great skin. My acne came back like no other. I had like an irregular cycle. Like it was a mess. So I finally got my hormones under control. Um, whereas Katie's, I feel like the site of injection is where she still feels pain up to today. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, dealing with just being pregnant. I mean, you get so many hormones that way. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Two totally different ways of like seeing, I mean, it's hard to understand how the other person feels because it's totally different. But either way, you have a house full of two ladies who have normal hormones and then they're getting hormones injection, you know, injected on top of that. (laughs) Exactly. So many hormones (laughs) going on in this house. (laughs) My gosh, man, oh man. But you did finally get pregnant and you had a successful pregnancy with her, correct? With Kennedy, yeah, we did have um, some complications. So after we got the confirmed pregnancy test, well, and we put in two. Oh yeah, sorry. We put in two embryos because we wanted twins. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why. Now it seems crazy, but we had this plan that we were going to have boy girl twins and it was like two for the price of one. So let's just do it and get family. Let's go for it. Yeah. 
Um, so there was, so yeah, there are two embryos and then I, we got the positive pregnancy test. And like a, a while after that, there was one night where I woke up and it was like, I had a miscarriage. Um, and so we went to the doctor the next day, like to confirm, we just assumed there was nothing in there. Um, and there was, there was a little heartbeat and mm. that little Kennedy. Um, but so obviously one of the embryos left and it left a big blood clot. And so the beginning of the pregnancy was pretty scary because this blood clot was so huge next to the, the tiny baby um, that they were worried that if that blood clot did like detach and, and leave that it would take the baby with it. Um, so there was that, but eventually little Kennedy grew bigger than the blood clot. And then the end, the blood clot wasn't just a little thing. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was a little scary. Um, we, were, we were pretty much a high risk pregnancy, I think up until almost like third trimester, which is when we started to feel relief because the baby was bigger than the blood clot. And they said at that point, like, you don't need to be worried anymore. But I think in our minds, we were just kind of preparing ourselves for the worst, like the whole entire way, because we had already been through so much that we're like, okay, the baby might not be here. Like, it's okay. Um, even though I don't think there's any way to prepare yourself for that. Like, I think just trying not to get too excited was, I think, us, like our entire pregnancy. And then I remember like when she was born, feeling like a huge relief, like, oh my gosh, there was actually a baby in there. Like, she's alive. <laughs> she's normal. Like, it was... It was just amazing, like knowing everything we had been through and she turned out like this perfect baby. Like it still blows my mind. Like we saw her, like her first picture in a little dish and like here she is like a little human, just blows my mind. Oh, that's so sweet. And the craziest <laughs> part is that was such a roller coaster that you went through just with Kennedy and then you decided to try to have Charlotte and yeah. <laughs> adventures continued. Oh my gosh. I know, yeah. We thought for sure the second time around, like things were going to go so smooth for us. Like we got to kind of like jump ahead in the process, which was nice because um, from the embryo batch, I think we had like nine embryos frozen and they said they were all really great quality. Like all those kids, they could, you know, they could turn into babies, like it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of jumped ahead in the process. Like I didn't have to do any injections. It was just all poor Katie over here um preparing her lining for a baby and we took one out of the freezer they bought it and they transferred it to Katie and we got the positive pregnancy results like I remember getting the call from the nurse saying you're pregnant and I was like crying so happy um and then we just Katie has to do routine blood work just to make sure the hormone levels are doubling like they should. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just a routine. And we got the phone call from our nurse that things weren't looking normal, but to not be alarmed and that Katie would just go back for an extra pregnancy test or an extra like blood test. It's fine. Um, so I remember both like eagerly like waiting by the phone for our nurse to call us like, oh my gosh, hope these results are okay. And unfortunately, it was a really sad phone call that we weren't really expecting. So we had like gone through this moment of like celebrating. And then um, we were told that 
the results were showing that it was either an ectopic pregnancy, which is very dangerous if we didn't see the warning signs. Like she told us to immediately go to a hospital if we saw these signs happening. Um, and then also a miscarriage. So we were kind of waiting for either one of those. And I know it was really hard for our nurse to tell us that because she loves us. I mean, absolutely knows everything we've been through. And I think she just felt awful that after going through all this with Kennedy, like she had to deliver this really terrible news. And, mm -hmm. But that, I mean, their clinic, they know exactly all the warning signs. So it's like, they know what these test results show. And they said, they're almost never wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. so just be careful keep us updated, like, let us know, you know, we're here for you when you want to do another transfer, when all this is over, like, we can plan ahead, um, so we just kind of waited, like, the days went by, and we we're just kind of waiting for body, or for Katie's body to, like, tell us what was going on. Yeah, and there was one day when, again, I did start bleeding, and so we went, it was, like, deja vu with, with Kennedy, we went to the doctor to do an ultrasound, again to confirm there was no baby and um there, there was Charlotte's heartbeat like these kids and the doctor yeah and the doctor was like shocked everyone was shocked and he was like yeah it's, it's a good heartbeat yeah he said it was the second time he had seen this happen in his whole career and he's I don't know how many babies have come from that <laughs> clinic but yeah. he said this is the only second time he's ever seen that happen and how the tests were actually like wrong. So yeah. he was just as shocked as we were. Yeah. Mm. But it's interesting because then on Instagram, we did hear, because like we're connected with so many people, mm. but there are people that have had an experience like this mm. where the like hormone tests are just out of whack, but it still yeah. results in a pregnancy, but apparently not too common. Yeah. And she is kind of our, our crazy little child. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense that she would trick us in the beginning. <laughs> just put us on a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> well, and other than that, Katie, what was pregnancy like for you? Was it fairly smooth, quote unquote, minus all of that stress? Yeah, I mean, compared to what I've seen like my own friends go through, um, my pregnancy with Kennedy was honestly pretty easy. Like I wasn't that sick. Um, I wasn't super tired. It was, I was okay. Um, Charlotte, man, I was just so sick. Like the whole pregnancy, morning sickness all day every day we thought she was a boy for sure and <laughs> we were so shocked yeah we were shocked to see she was a girl it was just such a different pregnancy yeah I didn't mm. love <laughs> pregnancy the second time quite as much the first time so how do you go through both of those two experiences and then potentially decide to do it again well <laughs> I am perfectly good with our two kids they're more than enough for me <laughs> But Christina over here wants four. Which, Compromising on three. Yeah, like four is <laughs> the question. I see, I see. And well, also being a teacher, I handle so many children all day. And I come home to our kids. And I feel like it's just my mentality that I can handle many yeah. children. So the more the merrier, in my opinion. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. And do you plan on trying reciprocal again? Or what do you think you're... We have no idea what we're we, doing. It's kind it, of a mess. It's so funny because I was just talking to my mom about this the other day. I was like, it's okay because we have all this time still um, to like plan of how we're going to have our third child. Because like we have like the month picked out of where 
like we would want a child born since, you know, everything is calculated. We can actually plan for that. Right. Um, but my mom was like, you guys have been talking about this for three years. Like you haven't decided yet. And I was like, no, we haven't. And there have been times like throughout like the past four years where we constantly talk about like, so we're going to have the fourth child this way. Right. Or child, I mean the third what? child, sorry, we're going to have a third child this <laughs> way. Your mind, right? Katie, I don't know. I, mean, I was talking about the fourth one for a while. So, um, cause I said, oh, we'll have the third one this way and we'll have the fourth one this way. And that's when she'd be like, I'm not talking to you about this. So, yeah, we, yeah, we, we keep exploring all the options and then definitely ruling some out on our list just because like the price is too crazy, um, or like the emotional ties are too crazy for us, especially now we have to think about how we have two other children in the house. Um, so thinking about like, what is the best option for everyone in our house? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like one of the paths we were looking at was maybe like fostering to adopt, but for Katie and I being so emotionally attached to even like little embryos <laughs> on a picture, like I don't, I True. don't think ourselves and our kids could get attached to a child knowing that they could go back with their family, which is what, you know, the system is meant for. Um, so just like things like that, like ruling things out that we know that can't be good for our family. And how old is Kennedy now and Charlotte? Almost two and almost four. Their birthday's in a couple months. Almost yeah, two. and we wanted a child to be three years apart from Charlotte. Like Kennedy and Charlotte will be two years apart. And then we're like, okay, two years apart is great, but it's a handful. Yeah. So let's do three years apart because <laughs> it's not too crazy. Um, but that way we don't, hopefully have too many kids in diapers at that point. Like that's another plus. Like there's just right. so many diapers. Like now we're down to one child in diapers. Yeah. The diapers like on traveling is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> what inspired both of you to sh- decide to share your story on social platforms? Started because like, when we were having a hard time with reciprocal or with IVF not working, we turned to the internet and we looked at we looked at YouTube and we looked at Instagram and we we're able to find people that were going through similar experiences. So and they they were straight couples, they were gay couples, they're just all kinds of people also struggling with creating a family. And so that helped us so much. And we were able to connect with these people and find support and kind of that shared experience. And so that's when we started sharing our story more on Instagram and eventually on YouTube. And it just kind of went from there. It was just, we wanted to be able to eventually help people the way that they helped us. Have you experienced any sort of pushback in this social world and since starting your family and like trolls and all of that crap and how have you dealt with those pressures there's uh, yeah there's always trolls and people who leave rude comments but I, I it doesn't really bother us too much both of us just think about like how sad these people must be in their mm-hmm. own lives that they feel the need to go on the internet and write rude things to someone mm-hmm. they don't even know so we just kind of try to approach it in that way and we just report the comments and Instagram takes yeah. care of it. 
Katie says that now, but there have been moments when we were both hurt by comments where they would really get to us. Like yeah, I remember I think we've grown from it. Um, like publishing my story on like Love What Matters and getting like reading through all the vicious comments on Facebook where they had published it. And it was hard. I mean, everyone had their own opinion, like, oh, why are they even sharing the cost of their kids with the public? Or like, you know, oh, they had to go buy a baby, so what? Or oh, those kids, they had problems having kids because, you know, they weren't meant to have kids and those kids should have a father. And yeah, it was hard. And I think after that I was like, I need to yeah. stop reading comments. Like just just let people be and we don't really try, we don't respond to them. Um, just kind of let them be. And a lot of times people who support us end up responding for yeah. us. Yeah. They're like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I mean it is nice we have the support and I don't know. It's just hard. Like there is no just one way to make a family and you know, everyone has their opinions, but I also know that like us being open to sharing like every little detail is helping someone. Absolutely. Um, so I just try to keep that in mind. Like I know we're helping somebody out there. So even though there's like a negative comment, like I know there's a lot of positive. Yeah. Too. Just focusing on the people who you are impacting. Exactly. And I mean, both of you have such beautiful hearts and you're open and you're free to communicate how you're feeling and what you're going through, positive or negative. It's just so wonderful that you're sharing it with the world. What advice would you give other same-sex couples out there who are either wanting to go into this process of starting a family or who are in it, in the thick of it? What advice would you give? My advice would be follow your heart and your intuition um, when you're deciding what you want to do. So there are so many different ways to create a family and not one is better than another. Um, so it's really important that you and your partner just look at what feels right to you and do that. And my advice would be to always be open with each other and listen to what the other person has to say um, and just try to prepare for anything to happen because we went into it with the mindset that nothing bad could happen and it did. So it's good to be aware that anything can happen to anyone, which is kind of like not the greatest advice, but it's yeah. the real advice. <laughs> well, I even recently interviewed another mom who had said that, you know, she just kind of thought, I'm just going to have a baby. Like, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a little baby. I can take her to work with me. She's a fitness person. She's like, it's going to be great. We'll just have this baby. And she kind of thought, you know, it's going to be this Disney picturesque, you know, picture world. And <laughs> it just wasn't. And she went through her own challenges. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me because so many moms, dads, families, that every family has their own story. And it's fascinating to hear. And even people who have a quote unquote normal, you know, pregnancy experience, normal birthing experience, there's something at the at the latter that turns out to be a challenge, whether it's breastfeeding or whatever it is. It's like, there's always something. Um, so I just think it's wonderful that you're sharing with everybody. Do you ever get sick of telling your story? I mean, you probably tell it so much. I was just sitting here thinking, 
My gosh, do they get sick of going through this? <laughs> um, no. I mean, I'm mostly the one who ends up telling it, and I don't think, really good. I don't think it ever gets old for me. I think it just shows like how strong we are and how strong our girls are because one day we will tell them the story of how they were born, and I think it'll show them that they can take on anything because they've already beat so many odds just to be here today. So when people ask us like, oh, how do you plan on like helping your kids? Like, you know, uh, go about like the comments that they'll receive about their family or if they receive like any negativity about their moms being gay. Um, and I think just sharing that they're from a strong family. Like we have really beat the odds just to be where we are today. And I see that as like a real pro. I'm really, <laughs> I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in going into potentially trying to have a third, I mean, I think that's, it's just such a strong thing that you guys are going through and you do, you have to almost put on this like coat of armor to protect yourself. Um, but I think that the girls and maybe if you have another girl or boy, whatever it turns out to be, yeah. I think they will. They will have that strength inside them. Yeah, we're kind of hoping this time it'll just be smooth sailing. <laughs> we're hoping that it was like third time's a charm. Like that's what we're really hoping for. But we're also prepared that like what will it what will be be thrown this time? Like I just don't know at this point. Yeah. Well, it's almost like bring it on. You're ready. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. As long as a healthy baby is here in the end, like we can get through anything. And Katie, do you plan on carrying again, or that's still up in the air? Up so up in the air too. Yeah, yeah. I'm prepared to take on pregnancy <laughs> if I need to. I was, I was gonna say, Christina, do you have any desire or no? Um, I told Katie, I said I I could go through life not caring and not be bothered by it, but I don't want to go through life without having another child. So if I would need so to carry, if I just I can refuse, carry. <laughs> well, she told me before that she was like, I'm not having another child. And I was like, okay, I'm having the child. <laughs> no, even the other night you said, I'm not caring. And then I'm like, okay, so are you for sure not caring? Because like, oh, let's do this announcement on Instagram. And she's like, what? I never said I wasn't caring. And I was like, okay, so we're still undecided. Like, let's figure it out together before we announce that. Like, we'll wait to announce that later on with whatever path we decide to go on. Oh, that's so funny. What's been the best part of putting your life out there for the world to see? Um, I would say connecting with so many people. We've actually met a lot of these people in real life. Um, and I would say just like the past experience, we met another lesbian family um, on our travels in November. And I think it was amazing for Kennedy to see that this little boy had two moms. And for us, that's great because we have so many amazing friends where we live, but none of them are a two-mom family. Um, and she doesn't see it. She watches so many Disney movies that have a prince marrying a princess mm -hmm. and yada, yada. So she doesn't see that anybody has like this, these two moms. So for me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I wish we had families like this closer to us. But I'm also very happy that we get experiences like this. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. she can see there's two dad families, two mom families, yeah. you know. It's crazy that you're able to even like make these connections with these people. Like the family that Christina's talking about, they live 
across the country, mm-hmm. but we were able to connect with them online. And I mean, Christina's talked to one of the wives, mm-hmm. um, like for years leading up to it. So it's just, yeah. it's crazy. The connection. So neat. Yeah. yeah. And we're going um, on our travels in April. We're actually meeting up with another two mom family yeah. and they have two kids. So mm-hmm. just trying to like, you know, put out there like, oh, we're heading here, you know, if anybody wants to meet up, like a lot of times we're just chatting with people and they'll tell us where they live and we'll be like, oh my gosh, we're going there. Like, we'll tell you when we're heading there so we can meet up. Yeah. Well, if you ever come to New York, I mean, there's a bunch of lesbian and gay couples here, but I know some friends, um, a gay couple with kids. So that's back to you guys. Yeah. Is it really late in New York? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know. Because we were no in one, New York. New York. Yeah, oh she my said, God. I know, she said she was a night owl. And I was like, wow, thank you for doing this. Because <laughs> no, I know it's now. super late for you. <laughs> no, it's all good. Well, for those listening, you have to go check out Baby Bailey Mama Drama, which I think is amazing. Um, at Baby Bailey Mama Drama on Instagram. I'll put all of your information in the show notes. But I'm just so grateful that I got to talk to you guys and hear your story. And I also want to encourage those who listen to go look at their YouTube channel because you have so many videos up there of just the real, real mama drama that you guys went <laughs> the real, the gritty mama drama, the injections and all really amazing. Um, before I let you go, I have a final question that I'd like both of you to answer. And that is for both Kennedy and Charlotte and any potential little boy or girl who might come along what's something that you want to leave with them that you want to tell them now for when they're 18 um I think I want our girls to know that they're strong and can handle anything and to please continue to go see the beauty in the world like travel find those beautiful places that's a good one. I know. It is a good one. You're going to have a hard time topping it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Our kids are going to be listening. Um, um, I would tell them that they are so loved and that they always have our love and support and whatever they come across in the future, whatever they want to be, we are here to help support them. That is a good one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we always say, we're always like, is that who you'll marry? Boy or girl, doesn't matter to us. You marry whoever you yeah. want. We support your decisions. You want to be a boy or a girl? We support your life decisions. You want, you want to be a princess or do you want to be a doctor? Okay, whatever you want to be. I love that. <laughs> oh, so wonderful. You guys are just beautiful and beautiful humans. Um, you are going to have to come to New York someday, or I'm going to have to go to California and then I can come, <laughs> okay. and I can come hang out with your little girls. This was such a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for taking some time. I'm also super impressed that it's seven. we started chatting at 7.30 p.m. your time and both of your kids were down to sleep. Like, that's really amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that never happens. <laughs> The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms, and I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. 
If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.